the following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, um, I had planned to have this show, this the topic for this show, for um, several weeks. And... Um, <laughs> Little did I know, of course, that it was going to be all the more relevant uh, with the events of today. The, the show is called uh, Tra- Terrorism, Travel, and Tragedy, and my guest is Wendy Necht. She is the author of uh, a memoir called Life, Love, and a Hijacking, my Pan Am memoir. And um, I was going to be talking with her today, as, we, as I still will, about, um, first of all, about her experiences uh, as a Pan Am flight attendant. That's too juicy to uh, not go into. Um, <laughs> but also because, you know, it's the holidays, we're in the midst of the holidays and people are traveling, and um, obviously she would be able to give us some tips, um, holiday travel tips, and, of course, now security travel tips. Um, those of you who have been listening for a while know, of course, that I guess t- terrorism is the topic that I am the most passionate about, having written a book that was published in London in 2006, uh, Coping with Terrorism, Dreams Interrupted, and working on another one. And, um, and of course, you know, we've all seen um, lately that the top, it's getting harder and harder lately to be in denial, like so much of the country has gone into after 9-11. And, of course, today in Los Angeles and in, well, <laughs> Los Angeles and New York were both hit with bomb threats, um, uh, allegations that there were n- knapsacks and different things left in schools all over New York and all over Los Angeles. <clears throat> now, what's interesting is that Los Angeles had one reaction, and New York had the opposite. Los Angeles closed all the L.A. Unified Schools and, um, because they thought that the threat was credible enough to not want to risk um, keeping the schools open and then finding out that, yes, indeed, uh, at least at one school, it, it was true. And, of course, in Los Angeles, we're much more sensitive to this because of the recent attacks in San Bernardino. And um, I think that that's why L.A. had much more um, of a definite reaction, you know, of a, of a more drastic reaction, if you want to call it, um, than New York. In New York, um, on the other hand, they decided, particularly because of how the message was written, the threat, um, that it was a hoax, that it wasn't really uh, a, a um, an ex- Muslim extremist, that, um, that it, was, it was a hoax. 
And so they didn't close the schools. Now, of course, that was taking a really big chance because um, if, in fact, one school even, um, and, you know, of course, there's always the, the chance of copycats. Somebody hears that and decides to do something at the last minute uh, just because of all of this. You know, because they decided it was a hoax, somebody could go and then do something like, ha-ha, it wasn't a hoax. Um, so, you know, all of this points out uh, just how, how much we um, have become more sensitized to. It's kind of ironic also when you think that 9-11 and the East Coast, you know, were the primary targets of 9-11, and, um, and they, they didn't close the schools, whereas... Um, in L.A., because, presume, primarily because of the recent, very recent San Bernardino attack, they did take the extra step to, to close the schools. You know, <laughs> the only way to have known which one was right, which one did the right thing, is um, in 2020, you know, looking backwards. Um, and then, and of course, you know, that's, that's a dangerous kind of situation to be in. So we are becoming more aware between the Paris attacks, between the, um, the swarms of, of migrants coming into Europe and trying to come into the United States and so on. We, our, our ability to be in denial um, is being compromised all around us. Now, I think that's kind of a good thing um, because we need to start doing more things to protect ourselves to prepare physically and psychologically, but still, it's it's obviously an uncomfortable world to be living in. I mean, I was born and raised in New York, and we would have snow days when school was closed, and, you know, it would be exciting, oh, yay, <laughs> school is closed, it's a snow day, but there's no, oh, yay, school is closed, there's a bomb day or a terrorist day. So these are not happy times. However... <laughs> Um, one way to, it's funny, one of the, one of the things that I recommend uh, as far as trying to relieve stress, which is so key during these stressful times, is to travel. And um, we all know that traveling, too, has been uh, become um, more dangerous than it ever was. Uh, because of the because of terrorism, the, the shoe bomber, the underwear bomber, and so on. Um, and and what I always <laughs> what I always love is how people manage to stay in denial about terrorism uh, so much of the time. I mean, I don't love that that happens, but then they go to an airport and they're in the security lines and they have to take off their shoes, and all of a sudden they're reminded, oh yeah, um, we're at risk for terrorism. Of course, nowadays with all of these in- increasingly frequent reports in the news about terrorist attacks, um, it's not just at the airport. In any case, without further ado, let me introduce my guest, Wendy Necht. Um, as I said, she's the author of Life, Love, and a Hijacking, my Pan Am memoir. And um, she will tell us how to fly the... <laughs> Increasingly unfriendly skies in a more friendly way. Well, welcome to the show, more Wendy. Friendly, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start. Well, okay. First of all, before we get into your memoir and kind of have um, take our mind <laughs> off uh, sort of the the tragedy part, um, 
what do you have to say about, well, I know we were just talking, you're, you happen to be in New York right now, normally you're in L.A., but what, well, what, what's it like in New York? I mean, what are the people saying in New York about them keeping the schools open? Um, it's not even really a topic here. I mean, I'm not in a realm where I'm talking to a lot of parents, but it doesn't seem like to be a big deal. And I think that, um, you know, there's so many schools of thought on, on this. And the, the problem is you don't know what's credible and what's not. So um, I think in, in, LA, in L.A., for instance, uh, you know, like you, is just exactly as you said, Carol, well, it's hitting a little closer to home because we just dealt with this, and so we don't want to take any chances. And New York is, uh, I think, being a bit more cavalier about it. But I think a lot of it is that, um, they, which is what you said, they believe that, the, the threat is a hoax. So, and uh, I think in LA they maybe had some direct threats to some officials. So, you know, I guess we, you know, LA is erring on the side of caution, which yeah. is never a bad thing. The only thing in my mind is that you know it does kind of make gives terrorists power. Yes, <laughs> if you know yes. what I mean. That, that wow, we can close the schools unprecedented close yeah. all the schools away for a day. So that that's the part that's sort of a, uh, you know, it's like a moral mm-hmm. dilemma, but we're, I think we're still really uh, coming to grips with exactly, you know, the reality of the threat and how to deal with it and the fact that it's just going to be a constant in our lives. Yes. I don't think that, I think it's, um, uh, you know, now I think people are sort of up in arms, but and I think... I hate to say it, um, it might become more of a, com- you know, it's going to be more of a common occurrence. Yes. And so you kind of have to learn to take things in stride. And, like, <laughs> you can um, run to a problem or run away from it, but you never know if you're doing it or not. You know, you just, so I, I just, my, my philosophy and all that is just live your life, be cautious, but... You can't let these things hold you back. So I'm but back to the school thing. I don't know what the right thing, and I'm sure we're not privy to all the information. So, I, you know, I'm just yes, interesting to you, see. You made a really good point. It's true that um, I mean, even if this wasn't anything to do with terrorism, and it was just a hoax, and it was somebody who you know thought it would be funny to do this, um, the fact that terrorists now see. What could happen if, in fact, they did send a threat? Um, I mean, look what happens. All you have to do is send a threat, and all the schools are closed. So, yes, that's a really good point. Well, all right, why don't we We'll come back to terrorism, because I want you to be giving people tips and so on of uh, how to travel in this this time of terror. Um, But let's let's take a more, let's fly away from this and um, talk about your book, your memoir about being a, um, well, I guess you were, well, flight attendant, I guess you were called a stewardess in those days, right? You can right? call me a stewardess, that's fine. Yes. <laughs> when, by the time I started in 1979, the word uh, flight attendant was really coming into play. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, well, I, I'm not offended by either, to be really honest. And I think that one of the reasons why the book is sort of attractive to many age groups is that it is about a time that was completely different in the world of travel. And uh, stewardesses and flight attendants really were, it was like a glamour career. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the whole 
aura and the whole era was just completely fascinating because we did ha- have such different standards and um, the world was different. You know, when you traveled, you didn't have devices to <laughs> keep you connected. So mm-hmm. you were really gone. And so I think that created a little more um, oh, mystery and a little more... Um, a little more of an experience that was a, a sort of exotic, you know what I mean? You're, you're totally right. gone. Well, now, so I think... I'm sorry? Well, well now, how is it, um, just to start from the beginning, what made you, when you were a little girl, like, was it always your dream to be a stewardess? Well, it's funny. It wasn't always my dream to be a stewardess. It was always my dream to travel. And I really didn't have the funds. When I got out of college, I went to school at the University of Arizona, and I thought, um, wow, I just love to travel. I didn't have the money. And I thought I, I could justify this after all the education I had. Uh-huh. Um, you know, your parents were like, well, don't throw your education. But with Pan Am, we needed a language. You needed to be fluent in a second language. And um, you needed at least two years of college. Hmm. So I felt like, well, I'm going for the elite. <laughs> Uh-huh. And as you know, Pan Am really was, you know, especially looking back, the elite and the most icon- iconic airline that existed, and still to this day has a, a quite a, um, a glamour and a reputation around it, and it's a, you know, it's still a very active uh, trademark, and people sort of um, are in awe of it, and I was even in awe of it to be honest. When I got the job, I couldn't believe I got the job, because uh-huh. I was not, you know one of those glamour girls and with a perfect figure and I had to really I had to really work at qualifying to go to that uh, interview. Uh-huh. And we no one could believe this even when you look back we we got weighed in at um for the first 6 months every report I went to I had to be within my weight limit. Wow. And if my roommate was fired for being 4 pounds overweight. If you can believe that. Oh wow. Huh. Yeah, and, and, and when, like, uh, 20-year-olds read the book, they're just, you know, they're, they can't believe that that could happen. But but it's really funny. Uh, it wasn't that long ago in time, you know, 30, 40 years ago. I mean, that doesn't, well, to me, it doesn't seem like that long. Uh-huh. But so much has changed. We used to walk on the plane, speaking of um, security, you know, you just have your uniform and maybe an idea. That was it. You didn't have any formal security to go through. You just walked right through. Hmm. And, you know, there, there was no such... Remember if you were late for a flight, even as a passenger, you could just... The, the image yeah. of O.J. running through the airport. Yeah. You going through security first. <laughs> yeah. So a lot has changed in a relatively short amount of time. You know, and the world has changed, and it's not like we didn't have terrorism then or, or we, you know, we, we had some bad things happening, but it just didn't, for some reason, seem as evil or as scary. Well, so tell us about some of the highlights. I mean, obviously, everybody thinks that, um, that it's a very romantic life as a stewardess. I mean, that's kind of, you know, most girls, little girls, even though they may not follow that path, um, think about it, certainly. Oh, wow, that's, you get to travel the world. You have all these handsome men in all these different countries <laughs> or, or in first class. 
um, <laughs> wanting to take you out. Um, tell, tell us about some of these romantic kinds of things. Well, I do have some of that in my book, and um, for me, I was single till I was forty-seven. Wow, so I had a lot of those kind of experiences, and it was, you know, uh, I think that's one of the reasons I wrote my memoirs because looking back, we had so many, uh, so much opportunity, and you. I, this sounds awful, but you kind of could have a guy in every port. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was just that the world being at your fingertips, you know, one day you'd be in Sydney, Australia, and the next day you'd be in uh, Tikal, uh, you know, in, Gu- in uh, Guatemala, you know, going through the ruins. So it just was sort of a, you know, just second nature to us, but to the rest of the world, it is exotic, and when you look, when I look back, I think, oh my God, we had the most amazing privilege, and to be able to do that, and we did have many experiences with passengers and um, uh, coincidences, and the world being very small. Uh, for instance, once I was on a flight to um, going from Hong Kong to S- Singapore to Hong Kong, and I just talking to a first-class passenger who happened uh, to be in the rag trade, which, you know, so many people going to Hong Kong seem to be in the clothing business. And um, I said, oh, my dad, you know, who had passed away 10 years before I met this man, said he, he worked, you know, he was he was a children's wear buyer. And then he asked me his name, and he was like one of my dad's best friends. And he, oh, in some wow. ways, knew more about my father than I did. Huh. So, and I sat there, and then when we got to Hong Kong, he took me to dinner. He offered me a job. It was just, huh. you know, things like that that would happen that you think, how could this be? I'm halfway around the world. Mm-hmm. And meeting someone so close to, you know, so close to your heart, that somebody that knows your father. It was just yes. really quite an experience. And now, then, how, know, many we, years, how many years did you do this? Um, for Pan Am, I, I started in 1979, and we went out of business in 1991, and so I, that was 12 years. And then I sort of uh, reluctantly went to Delta Airlines, but they had Delta Airlines bought their transatlantic routes, and it, they had a very good program where you could uh, go part-time. So I did that and developed another career. Huh. And we will, we will come, when we come back, we will find out about that, what that other career is. We need to take a break. My guest is Wendy Necht. Her book, which uh, certainly by now you've been titillated to, <laughs> to buy, Life, Love, and a Hijacking, my Pan Am memoir. And we're talking about terrorism, travel, and tragedy today. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? 
Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, uh, with my guest, Wendy Nick. She is the author of uh, a book called Life, Love, and a Hijacking, my Pan Am memoir. We're about to get into the hijacking. We're talking today about terrorism, travel, and tragedy because uh, this is a season when so many people, although perhaps less than uh, than some seasons before when the skies weren't so unfriendly. Um, but, you know, it's hard. Here you are uh, packing or contemplating going on a trip. You've been looking forward to it, and you start hearing about all these terrorist attacks. Like, for example, uh, you know, the planes, people canceling their trips uh, to Paris after the Paris attacks, and uh, now there's the schools being closed uh, the threats in both L.A. and New York and the schools being closed in L.A., I mean, it certainly does make people pause <laughs> and, uh, and think, wonder whether they should continue with their plans. Um, I would say that you should continue. Um, we're going to be hearing from my guests later uh, in this hour about some tr- tips, travel tips, uh, based upon her years as a um, flight attendant, stewardess. I don't think there's anything wrong with the word stewardess. Um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> had, uh, on Pan Am and then Delta. Um, and so you'll, be, you'll, you'll have some safety tips to go along with you. But, but we can't let the terrorists win by changing our lives altogether. At the same time, some, uh, listening to some uh, safety suggestions are a good plan. So, Wendy, you were about to tell us um, about... The, the next career that you went into, which was travel bags, and we'll get we'll get into that. But I, before before we leave the highlights of your uh, career as a flight attendant, tell us about first the hijacking. Oh, well, the hijacking that I was involved with was uh, in uh, 1986. Uh, I was sent by Pan Am to India to Bombay, in particular, to do uh, this training. We had hired. Uh, uh, Indian foreign nationals as flight attendants. So it was a pretty great special assignment. So I got to go there, and I lived there, oh, I guess it was like six months, about two, uh, and we hired, uh, we, we, they hired these Indian foreign nationals who were the most well-educated and amazing people because that job was so sought after in India. You know, we we had the cream of the crop and just wonderful, wonderful um, applicants, really, and we did, we did a training with them. We did partly in Bombay and partly in London, where we practiced on the airplane and showed them the ropes, and then they, they went back, and then we would do these training flights to Frankfurt and back with them, and while I was there, 
being single for so long, I met an American guy who worked for an oil company in India, and we started dating, and it was great, and he became part of our whole Pan Am group, and, you know, it was, it was a really fabulous time. And so uh, the union, our, our flight attendant union actually at one point said, okay, we don't want you to do this anymore because they, they took this position. Uh, they wanted the jobs to stay in America. So they said, anyone who's a member of our union who's doing the training has to come back home. So it was an abrupt yeah. ending. Went home, and um, Pan Am was offering six-month leaves, and Dave, the guy who I'd met there, said, you know, you've got to come back you know, take the leave, and we'll travel together. And, you know, we were having a great romance. So I thought it would be another great adventure. So I uh-huh. left on um, September 4th, 1986, and went from L.A., Frankfurt, Frankfurt, Karachi, Karachi, Bombay, now Mumbai, obviously. Um, got to Bombay. The whole crew that I trained, we got to Bombay, actually, it was like 3 in the morning. The whole crew that I had trained was standing outside the door ready to take the plane back to Karachi. And it was just hugs and kisses, and I was so proud of them. They had been flying six months. They just had gotten their gold wings. They got back on the plane to Karachi and uh, were hijacked. Uh, it was a, a boonie doll. They stormed the plane and held the plane for 17 hours, and 20 people were murdered and um our chief purser was killed, which was so sad, Nirja. And uh, the story is just so amazing what ensued after that because I got very involved being the only Pan Am person really still in India when this happened. Mm. Mm. And then they sent all the higher, you know, the VPs and a lot of officials to India, but I, had no, I knew the families. So I got very involved with the families. And the weirdest thing, Carol, is that this was 29 years ago. Right now, Bollywood is making a film called Nirja that's going to be released in February huh. with a very well-known um, Indian actress, Sonam Kapoor. She's, a, she's playing Nirja, but it's all about Nirja and the hijacking of Flight 73. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's really it's such a weird coincidence because all happens 29 years later, and then I've re- recently reconnected with her family, and her brother's writing a book about uh, the Nirja I knew. It just was an amazing story because she was a a um, very famous model in India, and her dad was a famous writer for the Hindustan Times. So it was a huge national event when this, of course, it would have been anyway, but um, because of the, uh, I also, you know, Sadly, that she was killed like a day before her 23rd birthday. Mm. And so she became a national hero. And there's a, this award called the Ashok Chopra Award that they, she received, which is for um, usually given to someone in the military. And it was, I think, prior to Nirja's getting the award posthumously, it had only been given to men. Huh. And they made, you know, she has a stamp in India. She's a very well-known, iconic figure to this day. So I, it's kind of a really, I mean, the stories, the story of the hijacking is harrowing, but this is a kind of heartwarming that this is happening uh-huh. now. Uh-huh. But I um, didn't, know, didn't know this when I was writing the book. Huh. I didn't know anything about it. Well, so, this, uh, this certainly, and of course you write about this, you include this in your 
in the book, right? Oh, yeah, that's the hijacking part well, of my y- book. Yes, right. So there's in a the lot of insight to the um, to that hijacking and, and mm. the experiences that ensued. But it was it was almost a surreal time, and uh, those you know it, at that time it was very controversial actually because the pilots escaped from the cockpit while the plane was on the ground. And so they left the flight attendants to fend for for the huh. for themselves, essentially. However, even though it was highly criticized at the time, that was standard procedure and the right thing to do because they effectively grounded the plane. Huh. So by the so, unfortunately, yes, that the hijackers yeah. couldn't fly it themselves to leave. <laughs> yes, which uh-huh. wasn't even a, you know not even a, a thought at the time. You can imagine. Uh-huh. So anyway, it was just quite a, it's quite a story, and it, it's in the book, and it's, um, I guess it was just the, you know, the beginning of, there were, I think there was like a few hijackings around that time, and then things calmed down for quite a while. Was yes, we used PWA to hear hijacking. about, we did used yeah. to hear about hijackings of planes at one point, and, and now it's, uh, you know, now it's, it's changed. The the attacks on the planes have changed. Yeah, to such a great extent. I happened to actually be in New York the day of nine eleven. Yes, it's funny. I was just yes, that was that's the segue. I was just thinking about that. Tell us about that, because uh, you seem <laughs> you seem to be um, uh, in these. Always in the, in, uh, I, I'm always where the action is. Let's put it that way. Or, or hopefully, right. Yeah. And particularly when it relates to planes. So go ahead. Yes, because there you were. I know. I know a little bit about this story that you had. You had just landed in New York the night before nine eleven after selling your flight bags right on Home yes, Shopping on Network. QVC, yeah. And um, QVC, I, yeah. I, so I was came from QVC to New York, and literally, um, I was going to sign the papers for this teeny little apartment I just bought in New York City, where I am right this moment. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, Twelve years later, um, I, it was just, and, and believe me, I had my second thoughts, you know, this, this, the morning I was going to, I was going to go to Brooklyn to sign the loan papers, I was with my girlfriend, we were outside by, uh, like, like, by like, somewhere around, uh, Fifth Avenue and maybe 59th Street, and we're walking, just having coffee, and somebody said, girls, girls, did you see somebody flew a plane into the, World Trade Center, and at that time, like everybody else, they thought it was just some private plane that went awry. Right. And then we looked down this down. You could see from Lower Man, you know, to Lower Manhattan, there was smoke. And then, of course, I couldn't leave for a, at least a week. And you know, I was definitely one of the luckiest people here because I had no um, nobody close to me killed or anything like that, and didn't directly hurt hurt me at all, you know, as far as the tragedy that some people endured. Mm-hmm. But um it it was it, it made me think a lot about, you know, the world and what's the world coming to. And actually that was the first time I thought, maybe I need to get married and not be alone all the time. Huh. You you know, that's so interesting. That it did have that effect on a lot of people because it really, it when there when there were the reports of people calling the, in the twin towers for example or on the plane calling their loved ones 
you know, yeah. to say I love oh. you or to say goodbye. And it made people who didn't have someone to call think about it. Oh, yeah, I, I, absolutely. And it makes you feel like you're, you know, the world is scary and you don't want to be alone in the world. Right. That's, that's how I felt. Right, so right. I just, you know, wanted to be more grounded, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. But um, I did go through with the apartment and, I'm, you know, I thought, you know what, put your blinders on because it's something you always wanted to do and don't let it, don't let this scare you. And I think it was a, a great uh, experience. I'm, it's one is one of the best decisions I ever made, and I think it's also kind of helped me follow through with the rest of my life. And I feel that way about travel and everything you do now. Just live your life, do what you want to do, but um, as we were saying before, you have to be careful. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you can't, you can't, you can't be so careful that it it, it um, stymies you. You know. Right now, I know you talk about how. Um, obviously there you were, you had just, you know, you had presumably had some success with your travel bags and then uh, 9-11 happens and, you know, the travel bag, um, there wasn't a great run on travel bags (laughs) (laughs) and, and here you committed yourself to buying an apartment on the Upper East Side. I used to live there too, which is not a cheap place to live. So, so you so that did it did affect your life in that way, um, certainly. Yeah, well, financially, definitely it did. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, fortunately, Carol, things bounced back. You know, I just hung with it and just thought, you know, I'm going to stay there. And I'm not going to say it wasn't with, with a, with a, without some emotional upheaval. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, at one point, I, I was selling things on TV, and at one point, I got to this um, thing where I, I, as a psychologist, you might know what this is, I just lost my voice. Hmm. I was so stressed out about having all this financial, um, well, there was a lot on the line at QVC, and I'd just done a deal with the Travel Pro, which is a luggage company, and they had put hmm. all this money into my products, and I was responsible for selling their products. And then I had just put all this, you know, you know, all myself on the line for this apartment. So yes, and I I developed this uh, kind of squeaky voice, and I could uh-huh. hardly speak. I had to go to a voice doctor to get it back, and then it, when they said it was completely stress related. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, you know, so, me. I wonder yeah. if it had to do with some conflict. That of course you wanted to sell your products, and you had to sell their products and all that. But maybe you were feeling like you were worrying about encouraging people to fly. Um, you know, I don't think so. I mean, if, if it was, maybe it was subconscious, maybe it was, but not really because, you know, I, I was on a leave for, I think I was on a three-year leave at the time from Delta when this happened, because that's pretty much how I managed my career there. I would just kind of take um, short leave of absences or long ones when they were available. But I don't, I don't know that because it never, you know what's funny? It never really made me afraid to fly. It made uh-huh. me very cautious, but never afraid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, yes, I do right. know other flight attendants, though, that did quit after 9-11. Uh-huh. Well, yes, and you also had the experience of knowing um, uh, some of the people on Pan Am 73, on Flight 73. Uh, the 103, the Lockerbie, is that... 
No, on 9-11. I did. No, you're right. Played 73. I knew all the flight attendants from that hijacking, and I got got, uh, blow-by-blow descriptions from them of what happened on that airplane. And then, unfortunately, the 103 also, because I did hiring for Pan Am, and I had hired one of the, uh, sadly, the youngest um, gal aboard that flight. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Well, how did you... How did you hear about the? How did you hear about the seventy three? Like, how did uh, I you mean from the people who were on the ground, or you mean in India? Uh, no, uh, no, in, uh, the nine eleven flight. Oh, oh, that. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're talking about United Flight seventy three. Yes. Yes. Uh, oh. Oh. Yeah. Um, Yes, we were. I was out with my girlfriend. We were just having coffee in the morning, and that guy came up to us and just said, "Girls, did you see that? Uh, uh, did you hear a plane just flew into the World Trade Center?" No, no, no. But I thought you had some connection to the plane that went to, to any of the planes that for that were involved in nine eleven. Am I wrong about no, that? Not in nine eleven. No. no. Okay. It was just not in nine eleven. No. Okay. But in the one hundred three, that Pan Am Lockerbie. Yes. Um, I did have that. That was a connection where I had hired one of the gals that was on the flight. And we had so many friends that knew people from that flight. Pan Am was actually a relatively small airline. And that was, um, that's kind of a sad part in my book, too, because that was sort of the beginning of the end of Pan Am. Mm. The 103. Yeah. Because why? Because, um,. Because well, people was, were less likely to fly Pan Am after that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they were. They lost confidence in Pan Am security. Hmm. Um, because they let that, you know, the 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 device was in a, a radio that was went through the uh, cargo. You know, and I Pan Am at the time boasted of their own security department. Huh. And it just, I think. It was, and at the time, it was just, and it still would be something like that happening was just of such monumental, um, you know, so it was such a huge thing that, um, yeah, people got afraid. People got afraid, and they, you could tell, you know, your flight started to be a little bit emptier, hmm. and, a, you know, and it was sort of creepy. You sort of felt like the walls were closing in when you had an empty flight because. You kind of knew, um, you know, as much as flight attendants can enjoy an empty flight, that wasn't the reason behind uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. It was really sad. So, yeah, hmm. after the 103, Panem did have a hard time getting, you know, getting its momentum back. I think that was, they were having financial problems before that, but I think that kind of, you know, was the final blow. Yes. Hmm. You know, we tend to, we tend to forget that because of things that have happened since then. But yes, that's that's sad. Okay, well, we need to take another break. When we come back, we are going to hear tips. <laughs> We're going to hear what you can do, what you should do when you're flying, um, how you can still keep your travel plans, but not sit in your seat with your teeth chattering <laughs> and grabbing the yeah. no, and grabbing the uh, the armrests. Um, again, my guest is Wendy Nick. Um, her book 
is called Life, Love, and uh, Hijacking, My Pan Am Memoir. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you about terrorism, travel, and tragedy. And we're going to be talking about how to make your travel less tragic this holiday season, <laughs> other than other than the uh, the delayed planes that we really can't do anything about. Although maybe my guest Wendy Neck has some suggestions for that too. Oh, um, I wish. I could. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so Wendy, what what t- talk? Of, let's talk about some tips that um, you can give my listeners. One for you know partly for because of the holiday. I mean, that's always. It's always a difficult time to travel just because of the crowds. Um, yeah. And okay, then, and then also security tips. Well, there are a lot of little things you can do to just be a little bit safer. Um, and I have, an, I have a new one that's actually uh, not on my normal list. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will tell you about that in a second. I was, just, I was just telling you, Carol, I'm going to Morocco for Christmas between Christmas and New Year's, and, you know, that is kind of a controversial place, but I feel like, you know, my philosophy and everything is you can run away from it, you can run towards it, just do, you know, do what you want to do within reason. If, you know, if, if the government issues a travel warning, I would not go there. Mm-hmm. However, I would say that one of the, uh, you know, to start with some tips, I would say for one thing is... Um, don't just blend in. Assimilate. I learned this at Pan Am. You don't uh, go out in groups that say Texas on them. You know what I mean? Like with, with Texas T-shirts. or You just don't want to call in, uh, attention to yourself. And I think just as a good rule of travel anyway, you want to assimilate with the local culture, and you don't want to um, draw attention to yourself. You don't want to talk loudly or tell your travel plans or speak about 
where you're staying in in um, in areas in public areas. You just want to be a little bit um, uh, careful so that any anything um, bad around you, you know, if there's you know if somebody trying to um, gain information can't get that information, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, as far as your passport and your driver's license, please make a copy of that and put that, keep that on your person, the copy, because sometimes the hotels will make you keep your uh, passport or you'll put your passport in a hotel safe, mm-hmm. something like that. Just that will help you avoid a lot of problems if you, if you know, God forbid somebody steals something or you, you, um, you know, are robbed for any reason, you have that a second copy with you. I personally leave, uh, I only take the essential credit cards with me. I don't take a lot of other stuff that I won't need. Um, just keep, keep all that to a minimum. Of course, be careful how you carry your things. Crossbody bags are great for women. Men, um, I think this is probably basic by now. Of course, don't put your wallet in your back pocket. And, um, things like that, that, you know, just basic safety things where you just want to sort of um, keep things streamlined. Uh, and I also want to make you aware of something that you might, uh, that we just started doing. Do you know the STEP program? Have you heard of that? How, how are you spelling that? STEP. It's, 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 oh, the it's STEP pro- Smart Traveler Enrollment Program. No. So if you are going abroad... And you feel, you know, like we're, we're going to Morocco, so of course we're doing this. Um, it's a service by the, by the U.S. government, and that basically you enroll in their program and they know where you are. Hmm. Always, a, this is just a great, um, a great thing to do, and I'll tell you ex- exactly why, and I'm going to just read you pretty much why you should do this. You yeah. get information from the embassy. I'll tell you about safety conditions in your destination co- country, and so th- those will be fir- you know those will be first and foremost. You can email those to you. You can you can know if anything you'll know first if anything ha- is in danger. Hmm. Um, is this something? Uh, is, is it like stepprogram.com? dot what, What's how do you get you to the just step? Just go program? on the um, uh, step. Actually, it's uh, step dot state dot government. Uh, Dot com or just you know if you Google step program yeah it will just take you to the mm-hmm. US to the government website but it's good to know about especially in these times just for whatever reason and just to make you feel a little bit yes. more secure so the US embassy actually knows where you are in an emergency um, if there's a natural disaster if there's civil unrest or if you have a family emergency they know you're there mm. um, and then if there is an emergency family and friends can find you. So it's just it's free. It's well worth doing. Yes. To give you a little bit more of security, and then you know I would say also, uh, if you're traveling alone, and I would always leave a note somewhere in your hotel where you're going, just to be safe. If you're going leaving for the day to go to some remote island, or you're doing something alone, just. Put a note somewhere where you are, just in case, you know, 
just in case. <laughs> yes, yes. Not, and not, no, not to be, in, and I'm, I'm the last person that would discourage anybody from traveling. I just think you just have to do things that are um, smart and cautious, and I, I wish I could help with delays, <laughs> <laughs> but that I can't do. <laughs> I, I wish if I, have to, I, if I could do that, I could really, really market something <laughs> big. But um, I would also say the other thing is definitely take the time to learn uh, local customs and observe them, which is another way of not standing out. Um, sadly, we actually went to, when I was in India, I went with Dave, my boyfriend at the time, to Dubai, and we didn't know he was going for business. Um, and, of course, we had to sort of say that we were married um, I put a wedding ring on, hmm. but um, it was during Ramadan. <laughs> uh-huh. So I was really stuck in the hotel between, you know, sun up and sunrise. Uh-huh. So we didn't really plan that trip too well. Uh-huh. That would have been a good thing to know in advance. But uh-huh. every country has, like, some crazy little things that people don't do. Like, you'll never see people, or unless probably a tourist, like it, even in France, you know, eating something while they're walking along the street. It's just like not a not a French thing to do. Mm-hmm. Just little things, you know. Definitely don't uh, chew gum or spit on the street in Singapore. That's a huge offense there uh, in a country like that. And, you know, obviously if you're in an Arab country, you're not going to go out in short with shorts on. <laughs> you mm-hmm. have to be very, you know, dress keep covered up, things, things, things that are really common sense, but you kind of cringe when you see people not doing that and mm-hmm. standing out. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you want to be alert, you know. You're not going to... The worst thing is to... Um, and for any um, kind of... Cr- for criminals, the, the, they love people that aren't paying attention. Mm-hmm. So if you're on your phone, if you're texting or... You're not aware of your surroundings. You are, you know, you're easy prey. And that's anywhere. I mean, that's if you go, you know, in the streets of San Francisco. Yes. Downtown L.A., anywhere. You don't want to be not paying attention. And uh, one of the things I've done, when you feel unsafe, if you feel like you're, like, a little bit worried about something, you know, don't freak out. It's okay to get off the elevator if you feel like you're not, you know, you're feeling insecure. You're not going to offend anybody. Just you have that bad feeling, leave and trust your instincts. You can always sort of uh, buddy up with someone if you feel like you're alone and you feel insecure about the situation. I've done this before where I like kind of pretend I'm part of another group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like just sort of you take the la- take the seat on the subway that's uh, or you know take the seat on the subway that's near the exit. Things like little things like that, or just Try to, um, I guess, in essence, it's just being low profile and being cautious and trust. Again, I would just say trust your instincts. Well, these are all these are all very good and important things to remember. Um, um, what about? Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your bag? Like, what's spe- what's special about your bag? <laughs> what should people know about that? Oh, you're so sweet. Well, it's actually what I have is a line of bags. 
and I've always licensed my products, and, and I've sold, used to sell tons on QVC, but the, what, the thing that makes my bags unique are they're all expandable, and they all are multifunction. So I have a bag that goes, say, it's called the Expanded Pack. goes over your shoulder. You can put things in it, very handy, great for travel, because you can put a credit card in there and, you know, in the back, and you have, you have all your personal things. There's all kinds of little um, compartments. But then in the middle, and you would never know this, it's a very light bag, nylon. In the middle, there's a little zipper, and it opens up to a duffel bag. Huh. So it's hard to explain on the radio, but when you see it, <laughs> all of a sudden... You always need an extra hand. You always need more space than you left with. So it's great. All of a sudden you have, uh, you know, a little duffel in the same bag with all your other belongings. And so it's very handy. You can use it um, when you're traveling. Of course, we all come come back with more than we left with. Yes, so yes. That's, that's very, very handy for when you see things that you want to buy and you didn't leave enough space in your, you know, you fill up your, your luggage and then you see all these things you want to buy, and there's no place to uh, to bring them home. Ah, well, this gives you like a an extra bag. You know, it's a an ex, a two bag. You know, literally two bags in one. And then you know, I use it locally at uh, the if I go to the vegetable market. It's great because I can just <laughs> uh-huh. take one bag and just open the bag in the middle. And I love I love doing it in front of people because they get a kick out of it. <laughs> um, and it's great for sporting events, things like that. So all my bags do sort of stuff like that. We have a backpack that does the same thing. Uh, I have a tote that reverses, so you can both use both sides of it. So there's all all kinds of uh, kind of surprises in the bag. Mm-hmm, so that's, mm-hmm. And I think that's why they were very good on TV. And I'm working uh, with some companies now, and I think we're going to just – Maybe do some different materials and put them back. Hopefully, soon. maybe um, maybe you should include like some kind of safety things. Um, oh, yes, that's a great idea. And travel tips, yeah, yeah and yes, that and be, that too. But you know, that, things like maybe maybe a flashlight or maybe not a oh, <laughs> a box another, cutter. Oh, I'm glad you <laughs> mentioned that. A flashlight is a great thing to carry with you at all times mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you can get those little ones even at Target for, I think I got a bunch at the dollar sale there. Great thing to have. A yeah. little flashlight. Well, now people have cell phones that have a flashlight on it, so that's handy too. But that little flashlight to put by the side of your bed, mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good, good tool. Well, I want to make sure I leave time to give people your website so that they can find out more about you, about your book, about your bags, and so on. Uh, it's wendysuenect.com, which is Wendy, W-E-N-D-Y, Sue, S-U-E, and Nect is K-N-E-C-H-T, K-N-E-C-H-T, wendysuenect.com. Well, Wendy, Thank you this so is... Much. Uh, yeah, I, all this stuff is just right on there. Uh huh. Uh huh. And um, well, first of all, I, I, you know, you do. Uh, you're not just telling people to travel in your sitting home. So I love to hear that you're going to Morocco, uh, and particularly Morocco. That's not exactly. Uh, I don't know what. That's not exactly. Wouldn't people wouldn't think of necessarily the safest place in the world at this time? But you're. But you're. You, well, I, I guess, still considered safe. You know, it is definitely 
Middle East. It's uh, North Africa. We're, um, but it's one of the safer destinations, a huge tourist destination. Mm-hmm. And it's well, been on my list of places I've wanted to go for bucket list. a long yes. time. Yes, yes. And so... Well, well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, that's one of the saddest things that um, we, many people have bucket lists of where they want to go, and some of these countries on the bucket list, you know, gradually, like Egypt or all these yeah, different countries, yeah. are gradually being becoming unsafe. So, you know, I, I guess the time to go, <laughs> the time to go is now before before more of the world kind of closes off because of it being unsafe. So again, your website is wendysuenecht.com, K-N-E-C-H-T. Thank you, Wendy, for being on the show and for telling about your experiences and, and, uh, and giving us your tips. And thank you all thank for you listening. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And you, thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Stay safe and tune in again next week, every Tuesday from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 